First, 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, and we'll look at verses 6 through 9 tonight. It's been a few weeks since we've looked at um, our series in First John. But the last time that we met, um, just as a reminder, we looked, uh, or we noticed that we are overcomers through Christ. And we've overcome this world through Christ, and we can continue to overcome this world and sin uh, through Him. When we're tempted with sin, we can look to Christ for strength and, uh, and to His Spirit, and He can help us overcome that sin in our life. And we notice that we have a stubborn enemy, um, and as we noticed, so we, we saw that that was this world. And, um, but not just the world without us, but uh, the world within us. It's that, that part of us, that old nature that is tempted by lust and tempted by sin. It's that old man in our hearts that wants to do what we know is wrong. Uh, it's that old part of us that fights against the, the new man that Christ has made us to be. And so we have a stubborn enemy. And then we, we notice that we have a settled victory. Our victory over the world was settled by Christ. It was finished on the cross. Um, and we need to be careful of this language that tells us that God does not love us, that we are hopeless, that we, um, that we can have no victory. Uh, the Christian life is not one of defeat. The Christian life is one of victory through Christ. And He has made us uh, victors. So our, 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 our victory is settled. And then finally, we noticed we have a sure victory. We have overcome sin, but of course we still fight against sin, against this old nature. And when we are tempted to sin, we can be encouraged knowing that we have a sure victory through Christ. When we are tempted to sin, we can turn to Christ for the strength that we need to overcome that sin. We, we won't be perfect, but we should strive to grow closer to the Lord as we walk and talk with Him. And so tonight we're going to continue in our series. We're going to look at uh, our witness from God. So turn to 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 6 through 9. Uh, he presents us here. Look at verse 9. <clears throat> Verse 9, if you would, says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. And so we have a witness from God. As we've mentioned before, there are all sorts of false teachers in this time when John is writing this letter. There are all sorts of individuals who are seeking to turn the church away from the truth, away from what they had been taught. And so John is, is writing to them to be aware of these false teachers, to be aware of these enemies. Uh, and so he is reminding them here that they have some witnesses from God, and we have some witnesses from God who are there to show us that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and as we just read in verse 9, um, he, he, write, he writes there, he gives an argument, if we receive the witness of men. How often do we receive the witness of men? We hear something on the news, somebody tells us something, and we don't have any evidence for it, but we believe it uh, because someone has told us it. And if we would receive the witness of men, if we would receive or believe something that someone would tell us, 
how much more should we believe God when he ha- has told us something through these witnesses that we'll see tonight? And so Jesus is the Son of God, and that's what John is emphasizing here, and he's emphasizing the witnesses that show us that Jesus is the Christ. So 1 John chapter 5, we'll look at verses 6 through 9 and pray against the message. The Bible says this, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men... The witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this night that you've given us and for the opportunity that we have to come together and to worship you. Lord, I ask that you would just be with us now as we consider these witnesses from you. Lord, we understand and know that you are the Son of God, but help us, Lord, to understand we have some witnesses. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we can know this to be true because you've made it clear to us. And so I ask that you'd help to encourage us this evening. Help us to understand that we serve you, Lord, our creator. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us now to put aside distractions. Lord, I ask that you would help me to be filled with your spirit, Lord, to be emptied of self. And God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts as only you can this evening. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want us to see, uh, the first witness, uh, is the water. Um, The water that he mentions here in verse 6. Uh, He says, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. And so John writes that Jesus came by water and blood. And we'll get to the blood in a minute. Uh, but, But John makes a point to emphasize that Christ came by both of these things. Uh, And there's a lot of disagreement about this passage, about what the water is referring to specifically. But one of uh, of the things that is agreed upon is that John is um, emphasizing uh, that these are witnesses uh, of Christ as the Son of God. And so some believe here that the water is signifying Christ's birth, that he came of a woman. Of course, water plays a significant role in that. Another belief is that this is a reference to the baptism of Christ by John. It was at his baptism that his ministry began while he was on the earth. Uh, And uh, he was announced as the Messiah at that time, at his baptism. Others still believe that this is a reference to when Jesus was on the cross and he was pierced by a spear. And the Bible says that water and blood came out. And the only time that that is recorded is actually in John's gospel. That that, uh, when Jesus was thrust through with a spear and water and blood came out, it's not found in the other three gospels. Uh, And so some believe it's a reference to that. And um, I believe it's partly a, a reference to his baptism and also the Word of God. The Bible tells us that we are washed by the water of His Word. Uh, and the word, uh, the word came here in verse 6. This is He that came by water and blood. Uh, that word came, it has the idea of 
to, to come into being, um, to become known, to be established. And it was at the baptism of Christ that he was established. He, he came into his ministry. He was established as the Messiah. Uh, the, the, God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And so Jesus was baptized with the baptism of John. Uh, bap John's baptism was one of repentance. Uh, but we understand Jesus was sinless. There was nothing that Jesus needed to repent of. But he was baptized, and the reason that Christ was baptized was so that he could identify with mankind, so that he could identify with us. He was not a sinner. He is sinless, but he was baptized to identify with us and to initiate his earthly ministry. And so John writes here um, that water is one of the witnesses here of the deity of Christ. Jesus came by water in his baptism. Uh, and so I believe it's partly a reference to that, but I also believe it's a reference to, uh, as I said, the Word of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 25 uh, through 7. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. This is a familiar passage. The Bible says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Jesus Christ, he, of course, gave his life for the church on the cross, and he did so in order that we might be saved, and as Christians that we might be washed by the water of his word. John is dealing, again, with those who are saved. He's writing to those who are born again. He's writing to the church. And if you remember, we've just finished looking how, as Christians, we are overcomers. We have overcome the world. We have overcome the sin through Christ. And so John is reinforcing the importance of our sanctification, that we continue to grow into the image of Christ, that we continue to be conformed into His image. And we do that by living according to the Word of God, by being washed by the water of His Word. Uh, it's by the blood of Christ that our sins are washed away and we are justified, that we are redeemed. And as Christians, it's by the water of His Word that we are sanctified, that we are conformed into His image, that we continue to grow in our faith. And so, one of the witnesses is the water. It's, it's the Word of God that points us to who Jesus Christ is. You can open any book in the Bible and you can see Christ in it. Uh, as it's been said, there's a scarlet thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation that shows us Jesus Christ uh, and His person. And so uh, it is the Word of God that is the, the water that, that sanctifies us as believers. Um, and, and so we need to be in the Word of God. Do we spend time in the Bible? Do we spend time reading it? Uh, we might ask, why, why am I not growing? Why does it seem like my faith is small? Do we spend time letting God's Word, wash us and sanctify us and help us grow. If you've ever been uh, out working in a hot, sunny day, there's not a more beautiful sight than an ice-cold glass of water with condensation running down the sides. And you want to take a big gulp of that water, and it's refreshing, uh, and it's good. And uh, it gives us energy to continue to work. 
uh, and the water tastes so good. Uh, but if you just looked at the glass of water and you admired how beautiful it is and how, how wonderful it would taste to drink that water, but if you never took a sip of it, it wouldn't do you, do you any good. God's Word is, is like that. God's Word is our water in this world. And this world is hot with sin. It, uh, it tires us out. It wants to burn us up. It wants us to be exhausted. It wants us to quit serving God. But uh, God's Word stands there as a refreshing glass of water for us. And the question is, are we, are we drinking it? Are we consuming it? Are we letting it wash us? Are we letting it refresh us? Uh, we need to be in the Word of God daily. But I'm afraid far too often we try to find refreshment from the sources that the world offers, from, uh, from broken cisterns, from dirty water, from stagnant water. We need to get our refreshing from the Word of God. Uh, when we find ourselves uh, exhausted and worn out and our faith small, uh, run to the Word of God. It's a refre refreshing glass of water for us spiritually. Don't look to the world. Don't look to the things that the world offers, whether it's the pleasures that the world offers or the people in the world or the money that the world offers. Those things will not bring you satisfaction. They will not bring you refreshing uh, spiritually when you are hurting. It is the Word of God. And so the Word of God is it's the water. It's, it's our witness of Jesus Christ. Number two, the blood. The blood. <clears throat> Jesus came by water and blood, and he made it, he emphasized this in verse six, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. So Jesus came by water and he came by blood. And I think it's pretty clear what the blood is a reference to. It's a re reference to the cross. It's a reference to what Jesus came to this world to do. And that was to save sinners. To die on the cross and shed his blood so that we could have a remission of sins. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. There was a false teaching going around at this time when John was writing this letter that said that when Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't really the Son of God who gave his life. That um, Jesus was a man and, and he had the Christ spirit on him, but when he was on the cross, the Christ spirit left him and it was just a person that died on the cross. But that's not the case. The Bible tells us that it was Jesus Christ who died on the cross. It was the Son of God. It was God gave, giving Himself for us so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be forgiven. And so it's important to, to know and to believe that Jesus came by water and blood, that it was Jesus Christ Himself, the Son of God, who died on the cross, who shed His blood so that we could have remission from sin. It's by His blood we are saved. Uh, he finalized his ministry by his blood. Uh, it was the pinnacle of his ministry on the earth at the cross. That's the very reason he came. Luke chapter 5 and verse 32 says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
He came to save sinners. The reason that John makes it a point to emphasize that Jesus came by blood is to make it very clear that Jesus was a very real, a very historical, a very physical person. He was fully God, but Jesus was also fully man. Uh, he did not lose it, uh, any Christ spirit uh, on the cross. It was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came physically to the earth. He came, he came born uh, of a woman physically. He lived a life on the earth physically and literally. He lived a perfect life literally. He, he served others in ministry literally. He was a real person. He went to the cross literally and he gave his life on the cross. He, he was buried and he literally arose from the dead. And 40 days later, he literally ascended into heaven. It was a very real thing. And, and that's why John is emphasizing that it came by water and blood, but not by water only, uh, but by water and blood. And he makes that emphasis. And it's because he wants us to understand that Jesus Christ, he was the Son of God. He was fully man, but fully God. And it is the blood of Christ that is one of our witnesses to Jesus as the Christ. When we read, uh, of the, when we read the account of Scripture, we know that it was Jesus who shed his blood uh, on the cross. And so, have you accepted that tonight? Have you put your faith in the blood of Christ? Have you been forgiven? Sin is a condition that we all have, and it's the blood of Christ alone that forgives us and saves us and washes us clean from it. If you have been saved, the blood of Christ is your witness that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, if you've been saved, you know the life-transforming power that the blood of Christ has had on your life. You can see how God has done a work, how He has changed you into a new man, and that is your witness. And it is the blood of Christ that has done that, that has changed you. And so the blood is our witness. Finally, uh, our third witness that God mentioned, uh, that the Bible mentions here is the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit, look at verse 6. Again, it says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. The Spirit of God, he bears witness to the water and the blood. The phrase there, bear witness, it means to agree with something. It means to testify to the fact of something. When someone is in court, they are allowed to bring witnesses to testify to the veracity of their claims. And those witnesses can be counted as evidence of something taking place. And the witnesses must agree with the truth. And the Spirit is truth. The Spirit of God cannot lie because the Spirit uh, is God. He is a member of the Trinity. And by the way, verse 7, if you want to look there, if you ever need a reference to the Trinity, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The Father, of course, is God the Father. The Word is Jesus Christ. And uh, the Holy Ghost is the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Uh, God is a trinity. They, he, they are uh, unique persons, uh, a part of the same Godhood. They're, they are three in one. And so uh, the, spirit, the, spirit, though, uh, the Spirit, though, is one of our witnesses on the earth, as verse um, 8 says. There are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And so we have God's Spirit as a witness of Jesus as the Son of God. If you've been saved, this witness has been placed inside of you. You have the Spirit of God residing in you. And we need to learn to listen to God's Spirit. Have you ever considered that? 
that uh, it is through the Spirit that we have the Word of God. Scripture was given by inspiration, which is a work of the Spirit. And we have the same individual who inspired the Word of God living within us. And so if we want to know the Word of God, if we want to understand the Word of God, who better to go to than the Holy Spirit, the one who inspired it? 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It was, it was by God's Spirit that he moved in the hearts of men to pen the scriptures. Uh, and we have his spirit within us to teach us, to instruct us in the truth. And so the Holy Spirit testifies of Christ in our life. Turn to John chapter 16, if you would, in verses 13 and 14. John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. I want us to notice one of the works of the spirit in the world. And one of the works of the Spirit, and this is important to understand, is that the Holy Spirit is given to point us to Christ. There's, under, there's a misunderstanding that we have the Holy Spirit to point us to the Holy Spirit. But Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to point us to Him, to show us Him. John chapter 16 and verse uh, 13 and 14, it, uh, the Bible says this, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. That's talking about Jesus Christ. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to point us to him, to point the world to him and what he did on the cross. And so we need to be careful of those movements who tell us that the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't care about Jesus Christ, doesn't point us to Him. Je Jesus said Himself that He's sending His Spirit to point us to Him and to the truth of the Word of God. And so the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. He, he points us to Christ through Scripture. And the question for us is, are we walking in the Spirit? The more time that we spend walking with the Spirit... The, the more he testifies to us of Christ and the more we become like him in this world. But when we are walking and living in the flesh, we are, we are, we are blinded to the Spirit's witness in our, in our hearts. We, we, do, we, we start to become like that old man again. And so we need to make sure we're walking in the Spirit. That's why the New Testament emphasizes that we ought to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh because it is the Spirit who points us to Christ. In closing, I want us to look back at verse 9. Verse 9, one last time, the Bible says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. We are, so often, we are, we are often so quick to believe the testimony of, of people, but not the testimony of God. And we need to realize that the, the witness of God is greater than the witness of of man, when it comes to the testimony and the, the person of Christ, we have the witness of God. We can know who Christ is because God has revealed it to us through His Word, 
through His blood, through, through, through our sanctification, through the Holy Spirit, we can know Christ. Jesus was and is a real physical person. He, he literally came and shed His blood for us on the cross. He, he traveled in Israel performing uh, works and, uh, and uh, ministering to others and training disciples. And so we need to know who Jesus is. We need to know Him so that we can share what He has done for others. So that we can share with others who Christ is and so that they can be saved. So, so, that, they can, so that they can know what He did on the cross. Are we sharing with others uh, who Christ is? Are we making Him known to others? Do we know who Christ is? Do we have that close relationship with Him? I hope tonight that we do. And we do when we are washed by the water of the Word. When we're reminded of the sacrifice that Christ made for us and when we're walking in the Spirit. Tonight, I hope we're challenged to know Christ more so that we can make Christ known more. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day that you've given us and for your word. Lord, I thank you for these witnesses that we have from you 